four sentences that will make you think, rethink your life. One, happiness is not the absence of problems. It's the ability to deal with them. Two, feeling sad after making a decision does not mean it was the wrong decision. Three, you're not stressed because you're doing too much. You are stressed because you're doing too little of what makes you feel most alive. Four, the lesson you struggle with will repeat itself until you learn from it. And if I may add a fifth sentence that will make you rethink your life. Welcome to episode 26 of The Gospel Truth, the podcast where a couple of brothers are bold enough or foolish, pinning your perspective, to believe that we can depart from the matrix and construct our utopia piece by piece. This is the place where we aspire to be higher, where we speak our minds in pursuit of truth. And for those times when we disagree, we use that opportunity to do so in love with the goal to grow in spirit. No BS. I am our major and I have my brother in quest, Antonio, AKA the wise one. And remember, there's only one rule on this train. Love is God and God is love. With that being said, we welcome you to the gospel truth. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. How are we? Great. I am. I we, got, we got one great. I think we got one still wiping the coal out of our eyes. What you think? Uh, she's not. She's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. She, you know, I, that's okay. good for eight o'clock. Okay. All right, cool, cool, good. So I know one of us took a took a vacation this week. Who did? Who that? did that? Who did that? Didn't tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so how how was your trip, man? It was good, man. It was good. It was much needed. Uh, kid, kid, make it relax. Kid, make it relax. Good, good. You um, you the um. You, the wife, and the kids, right? Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as you can probably hear, we do have a guest on. Uh, I don't know exactly what to call her because I never know what name I'm going to come up with next. So we <laughs> currently, we know her as the boss. But this morning when I reached out to her, I called her Lady L. She still responded because she's on the line. So <laughs> you just never know what might come out. But uh, we do have our uh, guest on this morning, um, Lorraine Hopkins, a.k.a. The Boss, who is also a co-host with us on the G6 Summit. She is the author of two books. Um, she's also the CEO of Kingdom Crown Hair Studios. And those two books, let me get those out. Sorry about that. Saved, Single, and Solidified in Christ, and So Many Tears, A Journey for God's Glory. She's also uh, the own. Wait, she owns her own salon. I think it's two, right? You have two locations. Is that, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and she's also in the catering business. So if you think I'm saying this because she sounds like she's all that, it's because she's all that dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> how are you this morning? I'm doing good. I feel great. I'm rested. So yeah. It's a good day so far. So good. good. What about yourself, man? How are you doing? Um, fair to meddling. Fair to meddling. 
I um y'all know I, as I've told you all before, I listen to uh, talk radio while I'm working. Right, mm-hmm. I'll have the TV on, but I'll just have it on. I won't actually be watching it. Mm. And I heard something on Larie Daniel Faber's show. She had a guest on who I just befriended on Instagram, and <laughs> I'm still shy. Believe it or not, I'm still shy because I want to ask her to come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was her name? What what's the name that she went by? I want to make sure I get it right. Who do hussy? <laughs> Who do hussy? Who do hussy? Yes. Who do hussy? Uh, that's a yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, you will be able to find her on Instagram. Um separate Who do hussy? Uh, you might actually find two, but there's one in particular that I found and then I was able to confirm that it was her cuz I told her I just heard her on the show. You have to request her friendship. She doesn't give it to you automatically. And she mm-hmm. came back and like a few minutes later and said, thank you for listening and accepted my friendship. So my next question, which I haven't asked yet, I want her to come on to explain you know, more of what it was. But here's what happened to me. When I started listening to the show, I normally listen for an hour. Then I'll switch to something else. Right? She comes on at 10. So I'll listen to 11. Then I'll switch to something else. And that something else can vary from could just be music or it could be, I might even watch TV, you know, actually turn the volume on. It can be anything. Mm-hmm. But this time she held my attention for the whole two hours of her show. I couldn't turn it off. And one of the things she touched on was what she's relating. She was relating African religion to the African-American experience as far as the black church is concerned. Mm. And one of the things that she touched on that, real of course really held my attention was sex when she started talking about sex mm-hmm. and the church right and what she said was is that in the church sex basically is restricted and then all of a sudden you get married and you're told to have sex <laughs> so <laughs> and she said she, I think, and I don't remember everything she said, so I could be misquoting her. So for that, I apologize. But she said something to the effect that she was traumatized. And I, I found that to be interesting. Now, I know from, I can speak from my own experience. This is going to sound a little crazy, but I actually started off trying to wait until I was married to have sex. Oh, you're a good one. Why does that sound crazy, though? <clears throat> because I do think it's a noble idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's actually a realistic one. Really? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Because here is just a, just a common thought of mine. Temptation is a mother for you. It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you got to reach <laughs> your hand and put it in a cookie jar. You, you want to see what it tastes like. And you want to you want to taste it before you eat dinner. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, the proverb of your mom will come and slap your hand. No, you're going to wait till after dinner. Then you can have a cookie. And we all know once you put your hand in that cookie jar, <laughs> ain't no coming back from it. Right. Uh, just like when Eve took a bite of that apple, whether Adam took a bite or not, Eve knew something. Eve knew Eve learned something that she could not unlearn. So, but trying to stay on topic, it just, she said she was traumatized. 
so I just thought it was interesting, you know, because what she, another thing she said was, and I completely agree with, was that sex is a divine thing, right? And my, you know, my thoughts on sex is it's two spirits that join together, and so in that respect, you need to be careful whom you merge, whom you share spirits with, if you will. But at the same time, too, it, okay, if it's like, for example, if it's a casual hookup, uh, maybe that should be avoided. But if it's a serious, if you're in a monogamous relationship, or or at the very least, in a serious relationship, it it probably can't be avoided. Sex, that is. So, but it, I like I said, that's what crossed my mind, and that's why I, that's why I brought this topic to you all. Mm-hmm. And we wanted a female spirit on as well, which is why we have the boss on um, to discuss this this morning. So I, I know that's not much, but that, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got to uh, kick this off. So no. I'm just curious. And, it, and it also, too, um, Antonio and I were discussing there was a time when we were supposed to actually talk about sex and when you should you know, introduce it to your seed as this was a suggestion to us. And we did actually talk about this in a quote unquote pseudo episode. Pseudo meaning it didn't actually record. Mm. So then we wanted to more and bring it, you know, especially within the church, um, religion and sex. Um, I think that's a a better, uh, a better conversation, especially when Anyway, at least. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Because our community, about our community, so I can't speak about any other community. Um, but sometimes it is, uh, it's not talked about enough, let me say that. And if they do talk about it, it's like a real quick hit and they, they're going about, you know, something else, especially when it comes to religion. You know, being a preacher, son. If we even, if my dad even preached on it, if he did, I probably wasn't paying attention. Why not? Me being me, uh, probably playing. So you're saying if your dad talked about or preached about sex in the pulpit, you were you weren't paying attention? No, not as a not as a kid, not as a, not even as a teenager. Really? Yeah. I can tell you the. If I ever, and I don't recall, but if I ever heard the word sex from any minister, it didn't matter if it was a pastor or whoever, talking about sex up in the pulpit, I'm all I'm all ears. No, not okay. for not for me because I think it's still I think uh, with anything they don't go but so far they just tap tap on it and move on. You know, I think the I heard one preacher he talked about. Well, he even talked about he didn't actually talk about sex. He talked about how your body changes when people get people you know for one for one reason for sex and he talked about how your body is no longer the same and you grow older with that person but he never again they never go into detail about it so okay so the little you do remember about sex being taught in the church Mm -hmm. what were you told uh of course the 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 the, don't older uh, wait till you get married. It was what it was, mm-hmm. and um, don't do it. I mean, that was pretty much it. Just don't wait till you get married, and that was it. Nothing, 
nothing in detail, no reason why or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Lady L. Yes. Give us your thoughts, your experiences. Okay, so growing up, um, we were like, you know, um, I was raised in a church or whatever. Like, like I, I think I shared with y'all that like my grandparents uh, pretty much raised me um, in the early years and my parents were there, but like my grandparents were like the foundation and, you know, church was a big thing for us because, you know, the family had, you know, we had our family church and my grandparents um, had services all the time, but growing up, we weren't taught about um, like we didn't talk about sex in our house. Um, we it wasn't a topic that you touched on. Um, the most you got was kind of like what Demetrius was saying. Um, you know, like I'm sorry, Antonio. Um, no, the good. most we got was like, um, you know, sex is for marriage, and you are just supposed to wait. Um, and like yourself, my mindset was okay. I'm going to wait till marriage because that was all that I was ever taught or told. there was no why there was no explanation but when I got in my I want to say my Mm mid-20s um I joined this church called the soul factory and I've always been attracted to unconventional churches churches that steer away from tradition and really dive into um teaching and just really living out the word of God and not really trying to, you know, stick to all the formalities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So when I joined the Soul Factory, that was the first time that I was in a church where they actually talked about sex, not surface level, but deep dive, like okay. got really into um, the details of it. Um telling you they it, it was actually they broke it down in like a series it was something that they did over a couple months um they talked about you know soul ties they talked about um you know having the conversation with your kids and what that conversation should look like um and it was like probably the most informative <clears throat> series that I ever like took part in and to actually get like a biblical perspective on it versus, you know, somebody just telling you don't have sex, it's ordained for marriage and leaving it Mm -hmm. at that, but actually being able to ask questions and get answers. And the series was so good that they ended up um, like being um, called into like a talk radio program. And so then I, of course, started listening to that so that I could grow even more in the, in the knowledge of, um, you know, the spiritual aspect of it and, you know, just their perspective and everything. So it was, that was like the first experience that I had with sex um, being talked about in the church. That and my, um, my last church before I moved to Georgia, um, Greater Mount Calvary Holy Church, um, that was the second experience that I had. But again, these are experiences that I had as an adult. And mm-hmm. when, um, when that conversation was had, it was more so about um, how it was, it was more so for married people, but it was still impressive to me because it was talking about, um, you know, the things that you should do to help your spouse avoid temptation um, and slipping into extramarital affairs and stuff like that. But just the fact that that conversation was had through the pulpit was unfamiliar to me and mm-hmm. it kind of like took me for a loop, but I was impressed because it is something that I feel like 
our community, um, the Black church needs to spend more time talking about and addressing um, versus sweeping that stuff under the rug. Because what normally happens is somebody pop up pregnant and then, you know, like they're having sex or something like that. And it's never right. the guy, it's always the woman, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. She wear, you know, she can't hide that. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, because back in the day, you pop up pregnant, your parents would like just send you away mm-hmm. that you had a baby. Baby may get put up for adoption, be raised by family members, stuff like that, or come back as your mama child and stuff. <laughs> but nobody ever really had a conversation to talk about like what was going on. It was just something that was shameful and hidden, you know, and what. And I'm a strong believer in what get covered up doesn't get healed, you know, and it doesn't you can't change or grow in that area. So, yeah, and I, I had similar experiences to um, Antonio in that regard. You know, it's so funny, though, that we that we talk about this, because I know <laughs> I never forget a homeboy. Of mine. He uh, got his now I think ex-wife now. They may be still married, just separated, mm-hmm. got her pregnant. <laughs> and one day. In church, like they had this whole, we had this like like close to the end of the service. He had to come in and apologize, and she had to come and apologize for being pregnant and having. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. In front of the church. Yes, in front of the yes. church. Yes. Mm-hmm. In front okay, of the church. It, wow. And it was his mom. She was a. She was like the assistant pastor, and he had to come. And he, and he was actually, um, a good. He's actually still. We still good friends now. So he had to come and apologize and say, you know, he's sorry for having sex. And the girl had to come and apologize and all this and that. And they had to pray it, man. It was so crazy. And so I talked to my dad. I thought, hey, yo, why, why, why did she do he like that's something his mom wanted to do? He said, I do it because my sister, he got pregnant early on. He said, that's not something I would personally do, but that's something that she wanted to do. I said, for me, I was like, that's an embarrassment. You know, at the end of the day, that's your person, that's your son, that's that's your business. And I think sometimes we as people, just like I feel about technology and anything else, we let too many people into our personal lives, even in church, and even being connected to the church. We let these people so much in our personal lives, and then to me, you start allowing them to dictate how you move and and how you do things. So that is that has been a um, common practice in the um, traditional old school black church for a long time. And a lot of people um, equate that with the scripture that says confess your sins one to another and let us pray for each other. So um, what they would do is they would have you come to the church, you know, to the in front of the church and, you know, confess um, basically. And this is supposed to be your repentance, right? You come and confess before Lorraine, the I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I, I want to cut you off for this one reason. Mm-hmm. What scripture is that, please? Because I'm curious to know who wrote that. Who wrote what? what confess you just, your sins what you one said. to another. Yes, confess your sins one to another. I'm just curious, is it Paul? I'm pretty that's, sure that's it was. Okay. It's, it just um, sounds like something no, Paul would have written. James 5.16. Okay, James 5.16. So it was James. Yeah, okay, so, all right. Sorry. No, no problem, but... um. The thing is, you know, um, so the thing about scripture is we have to make sure we're doing it in context, right? Um, And not manipulating and twisting it to suit our um, traditions and the things that we want to accomplish in our church. So um, 
nowhere in the Bible does it say to have a person come in front of a congregation and confess. Um, repentance doesn't look like that, even though that's how um, a lot of people have taught us that repentance looks right. Repentance means to change. So you coming in front of the church and saying, I'm sorry, doesn't mean that your actions or your behaviors are going to change in the background, right? Repentance mm-hmm. is a change of heart and a change of behavior. So um, in doing that, a lot of people found themselves embarrassed. It ran a lot, it runs a lot of people away from the church mm-hmm. um, because nobody wants to be shamed and embarrassed like that, nor should you want to shame and embarrass someone like that. Um, but again, people will find scripture manipulated to try to justify such actions. Um, I had an experience like that. You know, I got pregnant at 16, but even being pregnant at 16, I tried to stay in the church and, you know, um, was still trying to figure things out when it came to my faith. So when I um, get caught up to the front of the church and I have all these people laying hands on me, praying on me like I got demons or something, you know, <laughs> it just makes it really turns you off with religion, right? And wanting to be a part of that experience because you feel like what were you feeling at that very moment, though, if you remember? I'm just curious because felt, what you're doing now, you're giving us the perspective of a grown woman with family yeah. looking back. Yeah. So, but I want to know what were you feeling at that very moment, if you if you remember? Oh yeah, as at that moment, I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost like a betrayal, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, I don't even live at home with my parents. You know what I mean? Like I'm on my mm-hmm. own and it's like, and I'm having to go through this public humiliation, you know, and it turned me off. And that was like, when I started like really um, kind of stepping away from like the family church and, and the smaller churches and going to like mega churches so I could kind of hide, I could get the word and kind of just be away from, you know, everybody. There was no community. Mm-hmm. There was no connection, you know, because in the mega church is the, the pastor doesn't know everybody. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They can't right. call you to the forefront and stuff like that. So that was like my solution which wasn't the right solution, but that was the route I took because I was made to feel such shame and embarrassment. Yeah. I can definitely see that. So here, I'm going I'm to throw something at you right quick. Samson's mother was a single parent. Not only was she a single parent, if I have it right, she was barren. Right? And so I think she was unable to produce children. So if she all of a sudden came up with Samson in today's society, or not even in today's society, because I think we're, it's a little bit different now, but let's just rewind back to when we were growing up, because basically you all are, I mean, with the exception of having to get in front of the church to apologize for having sex, that's where we differ a little bit. I've never, never heard of that. That's crazy. But, um, what do you all think somebody like Samson's mother, how would she be, how would she have been viewed when we were growing up? Um, I can't um, speak. I can't speak on it. Okay. Okay. I'm just curious because it's seen, I'm wondering, okay, is this done out of risk? Is this done out of sheer respect for the word or the word I've heard is manipulation of the word. Well, if you be honest, it's actually, and if you look at it in that context and from that time period, it can be both, right? 
and I'm not don't want to feel like we're shaming the past, but that's what they were taught, and that's what mm-hmm. they held to be true. So what they thought was right. So if you both, right? Mm-hmm. So you really can't blame them, and you kind of ha- don't say you have to understand, but you have to kind of realize it was passed down to them, and they thought what they doing was correct because they felt that the, this is what was held true. This is what was told to them. And this is what the Bible says. No other way. Mm. Uh, okay. Cause to me, it sounds like another form of control. Mm. And, and Tony, you know, in our, in our discussions <laughs> off air, we had discussions about religion and religion like politics is just another um, mechanism to help control you. Right. That's how that's how I view it. And I think that's how you view it as well. Yeah. Um so okay. <clears throat> if you're 17. No, let's go on. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. Because you can be 15 or 16. I wouldn't say 17. Okay. All right. So okay. Ages 15 to 17, your body is going through changes. Your body is uh, what's the? I mean, we call it formally. We call it puberty, right? But technically, you're being your body is awakening, mm-hmm. right? And it's experiencing things that you're not familiar with. And one of the things, okay, one of the things that you all have kind of touched on a little bit is that sex is not really discussed in the house, you know, from parent to child, mm-hmm. and it also too, it's you had to go to a, a church that sounds like a funk band, the Soul Factory, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what it, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm not trying to be funny either. I'm not, but when you said it, like, hey, that sounds like, sound like a funk band, right? If I put one together, I might consider that name. And but you had to go, you had to go to somewhere outside of the norm mm-hmm. to hear something that is part of life. Mm-hmm. Life does not, life does not exist without sex. That's just human nature. Think about that. We're, we, we, in the black church, and that's, that's the church we're talking about, in the black church, we do not discuss the very essence of the thing that creates life. That's true. We put, we, we throw dirt on it, right? You're told not to have sex until you are married. So two virgins get together, <clears throat> come fall in love, get married, and now what? So wait, how are we supposed to do this? And now all of a sudden, at whatever age it is you're married, just guessing and saying you're mid-20s or older, you're learned, you've been a virgin all this time. And, and I'm not knocking virginity. For those who are able to hold on that long, God bless you. But they I, don't think, I don't think those who were unable to hold out that long should be shamed either. No. No, nobody should be shamed. They just watch, been always watching Pornhub until the time they you know, get it. <laughs> oh my right. goodness. Right. Well, I mean, those are, those are simple facts. Those are simple facts because if you're not discussing, think about this, if you're not discussing it in the church, if you're not discussing it in your home, there's only two other places you're going to learn it at. That's a formal education in school when they go through sex education, right? Mm-hmm. And you have um, like in my classes, you know, I went to a co-ed high school, so you got boys and girls sitting mm-hmm. learning and same thing even in grade school because i think i learned a little about it in grade school as well so from elementary to high school you're learning about the the science of it mm-hmm. you're not learning about the reality of it you're learning the science of it and then when you get but you're not getting it from home where it could be properly passed down to you 
and told to you in a street manner as well as in a science manner and as well as in a reality manner of what to expect. And you're not being taught in the church where we go to for uh, our spiritual edification, right? Spiritual food. And it's a thing that is a spiritual thing. Sex is a spiritual, is a physical act. I'm sorry, it's a spiritual thing manifested through a physical act. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. But we're not talking about it. And I guess that's where my, my thoughts are coming from this morning. Just asking a simple question. Why not? But you because put, if I'm learning it from the streets, what am I learning? Exactly. Putting a lot of pressure, you know, you put a lot of pressure on religion, religious based people. who I disagree with you. I disagree with you. Well, here's what, here's hold, on, hold on, hold on. Let I'm him sorry. finish it. I want him to I'm finish sorry. his thought. Okay. I want to see where he was I'm going sorry. with that. <laughs> you ready to eat me up? Why come on down? Yes, be ready. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Not Wait. done intentionally. <laughs> no, you're good. You're, good. you're dealing with religious-based people sometimes who don't have the spiritual background. You understand? Know because spirituality and religion, to me, are two separate things. You have people who strictly just, they... A, B, C. They they go they go by this Bible. This is what it says. True background. They can't separate for me. They can't separate the two. So you asking that person to to speak on something that they, from a spiritual standpoint, that they can't. Now, from a religious standpoint, they can go in the Bible and say, and I don't know the Bible. I'll tell anybody. They can go in there and say, Paul said, don't do this. And they uh-huh. and don't do it because Paul said don't do it. Don't do it because Jesus said don't do it. But from a spiritual from a spiritual pr- uh, perspective, they can't really speak on it. So you asking somebody who don't have the spiritual background, something they just been taught to speak on something they had no idea about. I don't think that's. I, I don't think you you really can't hold them their feet to that one. I I, I still disagree with you. Okay, I, I, I disagree with you in this respect. <clears throat> Um, a lot of times when we look at the pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Now, let's just say an ideal. The pastor has experienced, has experienced some things in life, mm-hmm. meaning that the pastor may have been out in the world for a minute, mm-hmm. right? The pastor is married. Mm-hmm. The pastor has children. Mm-hmm. If he's a good pastor, he is a faithful husband and he's a good father. Mm-hmm. If, he's a, if he's a good pastor, he's diving into the Bible on a daily and And I'm going off of my church experience Mm -hmm. where I come from. The pastor is available to you on a 24 seven basis. Now, as I've gotten older, I understand it's a whole, it's a whole different ball game today, Mm -hmm. but good, but good to who, but, but it goes back to what I always tell you though, what we always talk about Mm -hmm. good to, to whose perspective, that's your perspective, right? So somebody else could say, I could be a bad pastor, right? And somebody else could say, Mm -hmm. well, you know what? He's still a good pastor. No matter how much that, so I think that it depends on who perspective that is. Well, well, here's where I'm going though. Here's where I'm going. Okay. <clears throat> when you are a pastor of a church, you're a quote unquote leader. What a leader is, is he a leader, he or she is responsible for those whom they are leading. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know, man. I guess I guess what I'm saying is part of spirituality is the human experience part of the human experience is sexuality so i and and sex is a part of life life does not exist without sex it's just like eating an apple that's to you now as an adult 
Okay. Okay. Me, but I'm coming. I'm coming in. to you from a, from an adult perspective. Go ahead. <laughs> let <laughs> Go let ahead. me jump in here for a second. Go ahead. Okay. So first of all, so there are two things here. So mm-hmm. first of all, whose responsibility is it to address the conversation of sex and when? Um, because I kind of so I can see a little bit of both sides on this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so for one, um, I think the first person that should introduce sex to any individual is the parent. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the reason why I feel that way is because um, <clears throat> when that child is going through that cha- going through changes with their hormones and things like that, um, it's our responsibility as parents to train our children, right? The Bible says that you should train your children up in the way that they should go, right? So we have to be the ones to introduce certain things to them because um, while we do have, while pastors do have a responsibility to teach God's word and things like that, um, some things need to be addressed at a personal level, at an individual level. And, and sex is one of those things. We have, as parents, we have to be able to have, um, and this is speaking as a, um, this is me speaking as a, a mother um, that is in the faith, right? So as a Christian mom, I have to be able to sit down with my children and have a sound biblical conversation with them about sex, the expectations, what their bodies want to go through. And that doesn't just all come from the Bible, right? That's a copulation of um, spiritual and my personal experiences. Um, And just being able to educate them and inform them and make sure that they are getting the right message when they go out into this world. If I need help with that, then I should be able to go to my spiritual leader and say, hey, I'm having this conversation. Um, Is there any advice you can offer? If I need to, if I'm struggling with that conversation, I should be able to come and have that conversation with my pastor in the same space and kind of talk about that. Um, Now, Antonio, I you said something about like um, it's a lot of pressure being put on people to um, like religious people to be able to um, explain. And I'm, I don't, I know I'm not saying it exactly how you said it and correct me if I'm not saying it right, but you were saying like, it's a lot of responsibility to put on like religious people and expect them to be able to have these conversations. Right. Um, the Bible holds us accountable in that regard because the Bible tells us that we are supposed to be able to show, um, study to show ourselves and so we have a responsibility to be to know like what the bible tells us and what the bible teaches us if we are um supposed to be people of faith um so we have to you know while we may not know right offhand right we're in the information age we are in um the time of technology we can sit and google scriptures on sex scriptures on whatever and we can sit down and study ourselves and prepare ourselves to have that conversation that we need to have with our children or um, with our family members, or even to educate ourselves at this point to get those things that we did not learn or we may not have gotten when we were um, kids or coming up. But um, there has to be some type of personal accountability when it comes to having this conversation with our children and also expanding our minds and our knowledge when it comes to sex and faith. Okay, so I can agree with I think virtually, virtually everything that you stated. Um, I feel a what happened? No. <laughs> no, there is a question. There is a question. Not a but, but a question. Um, what What do we say about those parents who don't have those conversations? That are I agree with you when you when it's when you say it should start at home. 
Mm-hmm. But what happens when it doesn't? And why is it not happening in the home? That's the first thing that needs to be addressed. Now, some of that can be some parents don't want to accept that their children are going to grow up one day and actually give them some grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. in that respect, so that prevents you from talking about it. Some mm-hmm. parents, I guess, don't know how to. See, one of the things I've learned is it's one thing to have knowledge. It's another thing to be able to know how to convey that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a difference. Not mm-hmm. everyone has that ability, mm-hmm. but and that I doesn't agree. take away from, that does. But that doesn't take away from the fact that that conversation still needs to be had, and it needs to start in the home. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. But if it okay, so in a black community though, if it doesn't start in the home for whatever reason, the next place we're going to look to is what the streets. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking. He was gonna say the church, <laughs> right? I was gonna say the church. I mean, that I, was, was, I was thinking the streets. And the reason I say the streets before the church because you, you I, know. I agree with Antonio on that though. Because okay. we're mm-hmm. not going to the, you know, our especially our youth. They're not going to mm-hmm. the get answers about sex. They're going to their friends. They are having those conversations with their mm-hmm. friends and things like that. And the sad part is, yes, that conversation should happen in the home. And yes, it's not happening in the home. But um, most of the, I mean, some of the reason why that's not happening at the, in the home is because we didn't have those conversations in the home. And we um, tend to repeat what we've learned, right? Mm-hmm. So if we grew up and this was taboo, right, to have that conversation in the home, then we try, we tend to make it taboo for our kids unless we make a, a intentional choice to learn from how that did not benefit us and say, you know what, I'm going to do something different or I'm going to try something different. But the reality is, unfortunately, most of us do not um, take that next step to try to learn and grow and do something different. We just continue to repeat cycles and um as a result of that, the next and then the next generation repeats it until some generation has an epiphany and says, you know what, this isn't working. We're not doing this, right. <laughs> you know, this way. And that's that's the reality of it. While it should be a certain way, it doesn't happen that way because we tend to just repeat what we learn and become complacent in what we know. Right. So let me let me ask you, let me ask you all this. So who did you learn? Did you learn about sex at home, or did you learn sex out there in the street? Or sex in, in from the church. Um, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lorraine. No, you go ahead. I'm gonna sip my tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, first place I believe was um, she actually uh, fell off, mm-hmm. but the first place I believe was uh, school, and then the second place was home. And of course, I, I remember hearing stuff on, on, you know, in the streets and stuff, but mm-hmm. it was, I was, it, when you, when you around other guys, mm-hmm. I guess my mentality was always, since I was, you know, big brother, having three sisters, certain things, certain conversations I'm not going to have with other friends. Like I've, I've never been one to, as they say, kiss and tell. Mm-hmm. So if I'm kicking it with a girl, if I'm kicking it with my girlfriend, mm. I'm kicking it with my girlfriend. If mm. I got another girl that I'm kicking it with, I'm kicking it with her, and it is between she and I. So, and as long as she and as long as she understands that, it's just between she and I. But I'm not going to my friends and mm. boasting about it, right? Mm. So I don't. I never had those conversations with friends. So let me ask you this before we move on to to Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Um, who taught you about it? Was it your mom or your dad? And it was it was my mom. Okay, now the one more question: mm-hmm. Was it awkward for her, or was she a straight shooter? 
that you I can remember. Say, I would <laughs> say it was a bit, it was a conversation we had to have. So I'm guessing it was more of awkward. It was, I don't know how uncomfortable she was, you know, because even then, like I am now, I ask questions. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know who brought the subject up necessarily uh-huh. but I, w- I would ask questions and even like today when i had the conversation with both of mine mm-hmm. i i wasn't uncomfortable at all matter of fact i was kind of looking forward to it <laughs> so, <laughs> i can only imagine i can only imagine <laughs> and actually I, I know he probably doesn't want me to say this but my son he told me he wasn't ready to have this conversation the first time we had it so okay so <laughs> hold on, hold on. Uh-huh. So, one more question for you. One more question. Sure, sure. Did you already know about sex, or did you? Of already... course not. Okay. Of course not. So did I just knew a little from school education? Okay. That's so about you, it. So you just knew from Rick. So you didn't learn anything from the street. Or were you already doing it, or no? No, 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 no. I didn't become sexually active until I was eighteen. Now, trust me, I was a virgin, and I felt like I had a disease, and I was oh. trying to get rid of it. Oh, and <laughs> I was trying to get rid of that disease, but it didn't. I didn't. I wasn't actually able to get rid of it until eighteen. I just have a simple philosophy: if it ain't given, I ain't taking it. Uh, so when she said no, and I had two occasions, which well, actually I had more than two occasions before, even before I actually, you know, was able to get rid of it, where they would say no, and once they said no, I said okay, okay. I back away. That was just me. So that's why it didn't happen until that time. Gotcha. Let me let's go to Lorraine. So mm-hmm. same questions, uh, Lorraine. Okay, so I heard the first like where did I learn about sex? Mm-hmm. Um so I guess I had a high level <clears throat> overview at home, um, which I really don't feel like was learning about sex. It was just like it was something you don't mm-hmm. Yeah, she fell off again. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. But um go ahead, Ben, you answer that question. Uh, okay, there she is. Go ahead. <clears throat> So it was something that you don't do was what I learned at mm-hmm. home. Um, so it was no why or um, what the act involved or any of that. Just like, you know, sex is something you do not do until you marry. So I was like, okay, you know, and that's kind of like what I held on to. <laughs> then um, when I, so when I learned about sex, it was probably once I had um, hit the streets or <laughs> whatever. So like I learned from like people that I was dating or, um, not dating, but like pretty much, um, like Mr. between two boyfriends, that those were the people to teach me or tell me anything or you know help me learn anything about sex or whatever. And of course, it was because of, it was for their benefit, knowledge, right? right. <laughs> so that's like the worst way for a female or anybody really to get educated on sex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I had a conversation, a real conversation. <clears throat> My dad and my mother, like I had already had my first child and all that stuff. And then it was like, they want to have a conversation with me about sex. And, you know, it's very direct conversation, but it was too late. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was done. I have it. You know what I mean? It was like, gosh, I wish I would have told you this. Like five years ago, maybe I'd be in a different situation, but it was like, you know, too late at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like a conversation I didn't even want to have with them at that point because it's like, you know, the child, you know, I'm pregnant now, you know, my dad was like, I was pregnant. And then when my grandmother had already had my child. And so it was like, the baby's here. Like, why are we talking about this now? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. 
<laughs> right. When you now you need some other lessons. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I gotta do to pay these bills. Just be help paying them bills. Mm -hmm. Sound like Antonio now. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me it was um I I was already having sex early on. But mm -hmm. um I laugh because I I got caught with a condom. Um, mm. And uh, wait, I had, wait, 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 wait. Who caught you? Uh, I think it was my mom or dad. They called it somewhere. I can't remember the situation, how it happened. Mm. But I got caught with a condom. And they said, somebody, it came to me and said, who prophylactic is this? I said, what the hell is that? <laughs> Not the technical term. So they kept, they kept asking me, it was like, what's up? What, um, who prophylactic is this? Somebody need to take a laxative? What is going on? <laughs> I didn't know. So, so, my, so I lied. I was like, man, I just found him. I was putting water, I was putting water and making water balloons. <laughs> <laughs> and then um and then I lied. Not a good lie at all. Not at all. And then I said, man, I got him from from somebody from one of my friends on the street. I said, I got him from this certain person by it was like, all right, so then they called that person, those those guys, and was like, y'all talking about something, you know, stuff. And now I lied. And they were mad at me for a little while because I was like, I got to blame on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day, my dad came in and he said, let's son, let's talk about the birds and the bees. I said, well, he may want to talk about uh, sex. And I forgot how old I was. So we sit okay. here literally talking about the, he literally did the old school birds and the bees i was like okay in my head i was like man i already know about all this but i'm gonna go with it so mm -hmm. i literally went with it because i had i was already having sex so it wasn't a big deal but i was like okay yes 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 so that, that was my story but you know he was like i said he was a minister and he didn't really he didn't really talk about it with us not even not that i recall even with my sisters and i'm the baby Mm -hmm. So I don't even recall him having those conversations. If he did, I can't imagine that they was comfortable for him. Uh, now, my mom did, of course, as a different story. And I don't even think she had it with them because I caught my sister was teach, trying to teach my sister how to kiss. <laughs> she was kissing on the wall. I said, what? Wait, 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 wait. Who was, who was teaching your sister how to kiss? My older sister was teaching my younger sister how to kiss. So she was kissing on the wall? Yes, dude. In the whole, I would call him out. You know I had to go tell I was young. <laughs> I said, now what are these people down here doing? So wait, wait, wait. Were you with the hotel? Were you already active at that point? No, I wasn't active at that point. Okay. All right. No. Oh, Just snitching okay. at that point. Oh yeah. Oh, I was listen, I was I was snitching on everybody. So so how do we change this going forward? Because the objective is to learn better and do better. Right, that's what we say. Yeah. So, how do we change this going forward? Like for me, so you know, I got my older boys. I think uh, I think it was like maybe twelve, thirteen, maybe between twelve and fourteen. Mm -hmm. I, I think I had a conversation with them, and I didn't do the birds and the bees. I was in blunt as well. I just had mm -hmm. to take a, a different type of tactic to say, "Hey, this is what happens. Your body goes through changes, and blah blah blah." Mm -hmm. And that's a tactic that I take. Now I have to do this all over again with uh, my other two boys. And 
and now because things are changing, it was, you know, the older they get, the older times, the more um, times move on, the faster mm-hmm. it gets. So I think I'm, we're going to actually talk to him about this probably this summer. Okay. Now you said we, so it sounds like you and your wife are going to sit down and have this conversation. Yeah, yeah, if she's comfortable, you know, sometimes I'm not going to pressure her about it if she wants to. If not, mm-hmm. you have my conversation. And sometimes depends on what headspace I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when I had my conversation, right, what I tried to do was, I, well, my first marriage. My first marriage, my, well, her son was only five years old. So, of course, we're not having a conversation, but what he did was he referred to his penis as a wiener. Hmm. And so for me, I always believe in the truth. So I said, no, I just told him, I said, we don't call it. That's not what it is. It's not a wiener. It is. That's your penis. Right. And Mm -hmm. so from that point, to me, it starts right there with honesty. Mm -hmm. You know, and so when I had this conversation with, with my son, I I gave him the proper names and I also gave him the, the, the uh, derogatory terms that he's going to hear. Mm-hmm. And you may even use them at some point, especially when you're around your friends, but you need to know what, what it actually is and what, it, what it's actually, what it's here for and what you're going to do with it at some point. And I think we have to move in that direction. I mean, if we believe that knowledge is power, then why are we not equipping our children with that power? Because at the same time, sometimes I think we're still trying to keep them because they are babies and you want to give them at the same time because you don't want to see them grow up. Unfortunately, we know how the world is. Mm-hmm. So I think it's part of it. I think that because we know how the world is, that's all the more reason why we need to be addressing the conversation. Um, Say that because- twice. Yeah, the way that the world is changing, it's changing so fast and so different. And um, sex is a big part of the conversation right now. Right now, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. when you think in terms of um, a lot of the laws and stuff that are being put in place as far as kids being able to pick their own gender and stuff like that and um, all the different experimentation that's going on, it's so important right now to have a conversation with your kids about sex. Um, kids are going, especially girls, girls are developing and maturing faster. They're going through periods at 10 and 11 now. So once they hit that, um, once they hit maturation, like they are able to get pregnant, you know what I mean? So you mm-hmm. want to get going crazy. They're taller, they're bigger, they look older, they're getting approached earlier. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that they're educated um, in that regard. With my kids, it was important to me to, um, I have boys and girls. Um, and so it was really important for the conversation to look the same um, because um, we tend to be biased when we're talking mm-hmm. about sex. We tend to tell the boys, go out here and explore and do this and do that. But you want your girls to be hosting, not do this, not do that, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't want them to get labeled as a um Got it too, and stuff like that. So you tell them, hey, you you can't be as fluent as the boys are and things like that. So for me, it was important for me to have the same conversation with them. And it was important for me to have um, my Bible out for them to kind of understand, like, 
these are things that he's mentioning from a spiritual perspective. These are the things you need to understand from the world's perspective. But at the end of the day, you need to understand that you are going to have the final choice and whatever consequences come with those choices, you're going to be the one to have to live with them as well. You know, so um, that to me was like really important. And then knowing what's happening in the world, right? And bringing those issues to the table and talking about what their feelings are, allowing them to ask those questions, creating a safe space for them to have those conversations where they know that they can be comfortable coming to you and not feel embarrassment or shame talking to their parent about sex. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, our major, it's so important to be honest and you know to be truthful about these different things and um, what the possible outcomes can be. Because um, with me, you know, I never, I won't ever take their choice away from them. At the end of the day, they are going to choose. But what I am going to do is I'm going to give you all the knowledge, all the facts, and all the information. Um, and what you do with that information is on you. But what you will not be able to do is come back to me and say, mom, I didn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody told me. You won't be able to say that to me ever. <laughs> but you know, and I, it took a while to learn that, but at the end of the day, I think that's the best route to take because um, there are so many things that our kids have to be cognizant about. You have diseases out here that can kill you. You have, um, you know, a lot of people worry about pregnancy, but there are things much worse than pregnancy, right? Um mm-hmm having to live on a medication for the rest of your life because you had something that you can transmit to someone else and just being knowledgeable about those things makes makes a difference talking to them about the importance of testing you know and not being ashamed to ask somebody let me see your papers you know what i mean Mm -hmm. just those types of things that people avoid talking about with their kids but um and you know, like soul ties. Um, I heard you kind of say earlier, that's how you see sex, um, our major. And that's, that's a reality. You know, every time we lay with a person, we take on, we take them on. So you, you create soul ties with everybody that you lay with and, you know, just understanding the importance of those taking on those spirits and understanding the spiritual side of it. All of those things are crucial and important. And that's the way we change it. We change it by creating that safe space for that child to come or that your, your, um, your kids to come and letting them know and preparing them before they go out in the world and not waiting for someone else to do it. Because my kids, they didn't get sex education until they were like in, I think, 10th or 11th. Some of them took it in 10th grade, some of them took it in 7th grade. And that's really late. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And again, they're just late. learning the basics in there. They're talking about, yeah, they talk about diseases and condoms and protection and all that kind of stuff, but they're not talking about those deep rooted issues, those feelings that the kids are having when they start to have it and all that kind of stuff. And if they are talking about it, it's too late because most of them have already gone through the change and um, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So it's better for them to be educated and equipped than for them to be walking around ignorant and then fall into a trap and deal with consequences that they possibly could avoid if they had the um, wisdom going out there. I 100% agree. Uh, I really do. So with that being said, then how do we promote the change? Right? Because we're just three individuals sitting here having a conversation. Well, you promote it by, it, start, it starts with you, right? At the end of the day, it starts with you. And mm-hmm. when you have, I think sometimes adults, when we have the appropriate um, opportunities Mm-hmm. to do exactly what Rain just said. You know, when you have those opportunities and you can educate, take that opportunity and do so. Do so. Don't allow it to pass by and don't say anything. 
and it starts with you. When you start making that, then other people will see that change in conversations that you had and pass that information on. Because we know that we are community, right? You may call me for advice. I may call you for advice. And guess what? And I'll say, well, you know what? My homeboy said this or my homegirl said this and this helped me. And then she will pass the information on or you will pass the information on. So it works within our own community and us continue to promote uh, a better lifestyle for, for our community and our community as a whole. And for me, I work, um, I work with the youth. So, um, like I work with youth in my, I've worked with youth in my community for a long time and I recently got elevated to, um, being over the youth at my church. So for me, I have small groups and stuff like that where we sit down and we talk about things that we need to talk to our kids about and stuff like that. And everybody doesn't buy into it. You know, some people are very set in their ways. A lot of people are traditionalists. And that's okay. If I can reach one person and get them on board, then that, you know, makes a difference. And then I have a lot of conversations with other people's kids. I have people bring their kids to my house like, hey, can you talk to them? You know, Which I don't mind doing that because I've developed a rapport with the kids. You know, when you have five kids, you get a lot of children traveling through your space, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you become like that. a yeah, like an alternate or surrogate mother to these kids. And so, you know, um, if their kids have questions, I'll reach out to the parent like, hey, so-and-so's talking about such and such. And, you know, how you want to handle this? Do you want to have a conversation? Are you okay with me having the conversation and things like that? Because I do feel like we have a, you know, um, I believe in the village um, mindset where some people don't, some people don't want you to say anything to their kids. So I always make sure that I reach out to that parent and see what their comfort level is. And if they're okay with me talking to their child, then I'll talk to them because the reality is if my kids are out here and they need somebody to talk to and they're not comfortable talking to me, I need them to talk to somebody that I know is responsible and I know is not going to be saying anything different than what I'm saying. And if they're, you know, if we're not on the same wavelength or the same page, then I'll handle that. But if I know that we're on the same page, if we have the same viewpoints, that we have a conversation and you want to be able to relate it because I know that my child will receive it from you and um, you're going to open up, then I'm okay with that. So, yeah, that's, that's to me, that's how I make my little contribution right now. And then, of course, we can share this episode. <laughs> <laughs> What about you? What do you think, our major? Um, well, I think it starts. I can't. I can't disagree with much of anything that's been said. Um, <clears throat> what I would say is that it has to. It has to go through the church, though, and not all. It doesn't. It's not necessarily as a primary. I do agree that it starts in the home, but I think also think at the same time, the church needs to shut its mouth and open its eye. And I'm talking about the third eye, right? Shut down your old way of thinking, open up your eye. One of the things you say, Antonio, is the Bible has a period, mm-hmm. right? We, we say that God is the same God today as he was yesterday. However, the world as we know it has changed. And it's still in a process of changing. Mm-hmm. So if God is the same today as he was yesterday, then technically, by our logic, God is outdated. Mm-mm, I disagree with that. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I'm just giving you my thoughts. We say that God doesn't change. 
he does I believe that. that God is I believe that God is relatable. Mm-hmm. Right? So I believe that God can reach you wherever you are. We don't have to reach God where he is. He reaches out to us where we are. So God is relatable. But I'm just saying that's what they say in the church. He's the same mm-hmm. today as he was yesterday. Well, that's what they say the in the Bible. Tomorrow. The Bible says that. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> However, the world is changing. So mm-hmm. God has God is still relatable in that respect where he can still understand what is going on in the world. It is man that has to make the change, though, because as much as the world is changing, in some respects, we remain starch and staunch in our perspectives. And that's what needs to change, because if we put all of this belief in going to this place on every Sunday, then this place has to give us something that we need to go through the daily week. Mm-hmm. That's that's my thoughts on it. So I agree with you too. I, I agree that um, the church does need to take a different approach and the conversations, um, those types of conversations don't need to be avoided. They need to be had, um, whether that be through small group sessions or, um, <clears throat> you know, like a, a series or teaching a, a Bible study or something like that. I definitely do feel like it's something that... Um, can also be addressed in the church. It also needs to be a place where if parents or um, members have questions, they can go there and get the support that they need to have those individual conversations and things like that. But I do want to tap on what you said about um, about God being the same. So mm-hmm. while the world is changing, it's not mm-hmm. changing, right? Um, so a lot of the stuff that we see, the foundation of of what what's happening in the world is ultimately the same. So sin is sin. It's always going to be sin no matter what. Um, when you think about in terms of sin and stuff like that and things that are happening, you know, if you categorize it, you know, it'll fall into like a certain category. And usually we can find something in the text that we can go back to and see how God handled it, how he addressed it and things like that. Okay. So while it may look different, it's, you know, it may present itself in a different form ultimately the core of what's happening is the same. You know, um, bestiality is not something new. These these are things that, you know, um, a lot of the stuff that's happening <laughs> that we are seeing, these are not things that are, there's nothing new under the sun, okay? All of the stuff is new. It just presents itself in different forms. And so a lot of times we like to think that, um, I, I hear people say all the time, like, um, you know, Christians need to catch up or the church needs to catch up and stuff like that. That's true. That part is true because it's um, man's presentation of God that makes it looks like, make it look, that um, makes it often makes it look like that God is outdated, right? Whereas if we really look into the scripture, all these things have been addressed. All these things have been seen. All they they look differently in how they're presented in the world today, but it's the same foundation, the same core of things that are happening. And so the rules still apply and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So <laughs> I don't feel like, um, you know, so I do feel that it's relevant that God is the same today, yesterday, and today because he's still addressing the same things. It's just, it just looks different how, Uh, we're seeing it in the world today or it's more maybe even more prevalent you know we see more of it than we did um in a different time right um because people were more careful to hide it and things like that and a lot it's more open now but same stuff happening just a different presentation i'm gonna drop this on y'all drop away go ahead wise one (laughs) they're not (laughs) (laughs) they're not gonna talk about sex in the church 
I'm gonna tell you. I why. agree with you. I'm gonna tell you, but I'm gonna tell you why. Oh, I'm gonna tell you why, and this is the reason why. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the United States; it has a stain on it. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. has a stain on it? I'm sorry. Sex in the church. The topic. The topic. The topic. Because yeah. now you asking the church, you asking the church to look at within themselves, right? Mm-hmm. You telling the pastor to stop messing with the the stop choir director with the congregation, <laughs> right? That could be the choir director. You asking the deacon now. You asking the the priest to stop messing with boys. You, mm-hmm. So it's a it's, it's a lot that's going on. Mm-hmm. So now you 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 want me to address it, man? Okay, okay, and I see I see what you're saying, but don't we say that the first person a message or a sermon convicts is the deliverer of the message? It should be. Uh, being to the word right? out of my mouth, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So technically, if I'm if I'm writing a message today, if it's not speaking to me, I can't deliver it. I can't speak it to anybody. You can't. You can't. But there's mean- a lot of people. You know, the Bible says you got to be. Uh, I don't know if you hit mute or what, but we can't hear you. You know, you can't. Uh, mm-hmm. She'll be back, but okay. you can't. Um, Can you hear you me? Can't do it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay. There you go. Okay. No, I said um, a lot of people stand in the pulpit um, are not really called to be in the pulpit. So there are a lot of people that can stand there and preach a message um, because they're trying to appeal to the ears of the people and they're there for the wrong purpose and reason. Everything that glitters ain't gold. So everything that's standing in the pulpit isn't of God. And we have to recognize that too. And like Antonio was saying, a lot of people are not going to, a lot of um, churches are not going to want to have those conversations, but those, there are some out here like the soul factory, like strong tower Christian center, um, there are some churches out here that are very bold and that are willing to have those conversations and share those, um, share that stuff because they know the effects that it has on the church and they're not afraid of um, the controversy that comes behind it. But a lot of people won't touch it because they don't want to be, um, especially like churches that are televised and stuff like that. They don't want that feedback or that throwback when they mm-hmm. um, cross those, you know, those lines. And stuff like that. So I agree um, that a lot of people are not going to touch it because they feel that, you know, sex has a stain on it and they do have to look at themselves. They have to look at who's doing what in their church that they turn a blind eye to and things like that. So if there's no accountability in the church, you definitely don't want to have those type of conversations in the church. Mm-hmm. Where is it? Like anything else, it's a business. And in a business, you're going to do what's right for your business. What you Not what's right, right, what's politically correct. Yeah, thank oh. you. Thank you for correcting me. And y'all are depressing <laughs> me. You all are depressing me. No, we just dropping facts. We just being real, <laughs> and, and, and and you all are, dip- and I'm being real. You all are depressing me because what you're telling me is we have a solution that we're not going to use. Well, no, we you are to- using it. You are using. No, it. yes, you are. You- what is the first thing I said? And I always tell you, what does Michael Jackson tell you to do? That one song. It starts. Yeah, man, in the mirror. man in the mirror. With the man in the mirror. Yes, I get you- that. I get that. I'm asking you to change your ways. You can't control everybody else. I'm not looking to control anybody. I'm well, just looking to do what's right. Well, that's you. Well, if you want them to do what's right, you want to control. Now you asking. Now you ask to people. <laughs> <laughs> oh and you gotta realize our major of people that's gonna do right. Very small percentage. Mm. 
it's a very small percentage of churches that would even take this task on. You all are making me want to bring it into this podcast episode. Um, I hear what you all are saying, and unfortunately, I do agree with you all are saying. However, I dislike, I loathe, that's the word, I loathe what you all are saying, because it is a sad <laughs> truth. It is mm-hmm. a sad truth. It is not going to happen. So if it is not going to happen, we, we basically are defining insanity. Exactly. There you go. Okay. And to me, this is, this is it's simply nonsensical in 2022 that we're not having, we're not doing what's necessary to progress forward. You know, they, say that, they say that change takes time, and that's a lie. Change does not take time. And you all are making me realize that. Mm-hmm. It's the fools who are in charge that are not making the necessary moves mm-hmm. that are giving uh, longevity to wrong. Well, they are. Mm-hmm. They are. Well, is, is the, well, let me say this. Mm-hmm. Depends on who you say is in charge and who you look to to say mm-hmm. is in charge. Because remember, the people who actually control what we look at as of today are not the same ones that you see before you. And yet they are. And here's my thing. As a member of a church, if you're paying your, um, you know, sewing into that church and all that stuff and everything, um, as the body of believers and, you know, the ones that, um, I don't know how, they have boards that appoint leaders and all that kind of stuff. Um, But if you are, the members need to come together and say, hey, this is something that we want to hear. This is something we want taught. And you have to also hold your leader accountable to bring to the pulpit the topics and stuff that you want to be taught on or to your Bible studies, the topics and stuff that you want to be taught on and hold them accountable to doing that. You know, mm-hmm. as members, you should have a say in what's presented and things like that. And you should have an approachable pastor where you can come and say, hey, look, this is something that, you know, needs to be talked about, needs to be addressed. And this many members or like 80 percent of us feel like this is something we want to discuss and hold your pastor accountable to have those conversations and to bring up the things that you want to talk about in there. Because a lot of times they will go over and around and all this stuff and not touch it as not to offend anyone but that's what the Bible is intended to do it's to correct and to bring reproof and things like that so you know they have to be open to these conversations and things like that so that um, you can get what you come to service for and that's to learn and to grow mm-hmm. so yeah if, so, if your church wants to grow if your church if, wants to exactly grow. if they want to grow in my well days, they do but they want to grow in number not make no, the numbers no. grow. That's not growth. <laughs> growth is if you have, um, and and I have said this for a long time. Like um, I'm not a mega church person. I don't, um, I don't do the whole mega church thing. But growth is when you have um, individuals. You know, like um, it, it doesn't matter if you have ten people in your church. If you have ten people in your church and they're growing in knowledge and in the spirit of um, of truth, you know what I mean. That's growth. But having 50,000 people and a good tithe or offering um, amount at the end of the month, that's not growth. Yeah, that's financial prosperity. That's not growth. Growth, you need to see people changing and um, see people um, get an understanding of what God is, what God's expectation is of them and how they should live and things like that. But that's not the focus in most of black churches nowadays. <laughs> Spiritual growth is not the focus and that's a problem. 
want the, they want the financial prosperity. They want they the financial right. They don't care nothing about your they don't care about your internal growth. Yeah. They want the financial prosperity. Because yeah. like I said, it's their business and you know, at the end of the day, somebody gotta pay these bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of churches I have moved to that. that. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth though. A lot of churches have moved to that and it's unfortunate, but there mm-hmm. are I don't want to say that there are no churches out here that aren't doing it the right way because I do know a few that believe in sound teaching and they're more focused on, they would rather stay small and um, build the character of a person than to, you know, just grow financially. And they've had the opportunity to grow financially. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, there are a few, you know, that's why we have to be careful where we sit down and plant. <laughs> so. Don't put your don't don't take your shoes off everywhere. Right. Don't take, exactly. don't take you gotta keep them on. Keep them on in case you got to run. <laughs> don't get comfortable just yet. Don't get just enjoy. Just enjoy. enjoy. So what you're saying is by not taking your shoes off, don't treat it like it's holy ground. Exactly. 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 Because gotcha. all that ground ain't holy. Nah. Some ground just meant for you to just do just exactly that. Mm-hmm. Say that for a brief moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry, we disappointed. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I do thank you, Sister Lorraine, for coming on with us this morning, especially on such short notice. Oh, my <clears throat> pleasure. And um, we thank you for uh, joining our family, basically, and mm-hmm. being a part of our uh, utopia as we're constructing it. Sharing is caring. What do I mean by that? Y'all know exactly what I mean. Don't keep us to yourselves. Don't keep us a secret. Tell a friend. Become a friend. Email us at the gospel truth, no BS at gmail.com. That's the gospel truth, N O B S at gmail.com. And keep this in mind don't let the BS stop you. Email us with your comments, critiques, suggestions topic suggestions, and questions. If you want to come on as a guest, you know how to reach us. Again, the gospel truth, nobs at gmail.com. Also, too, check out our new podcast, the G6 Summit. We will be coming to you with a new episode this coming Wednesday, the G6 Summit. We currently have two episodes out. Uh, one you will rather enjoy, I think is funny, and one you, will, you may learn something. Um, it incorporates three podcasts. One, the OK Podcast. Our brothers and sister, K Boogie, O-Dub, and Candid Kia, a.k.a. The Law. And our sister, whom you've heard this morning speak with us, uh, Sister Lorraine, or The Boss. And <laughs> yours truly, our major, and my brother, Antonio. Also, too, you can check out the OK Podcast. They usually drop new episodes on Mondays. Uh, my brother, you have anything for us this day? Uh, yes. Uh, so, um, just go ahead and end with a quote. Mm-hmm. I am the architect of life. I build my own foundation and I choose my own bricks. And as we always say, open your mind. Open your mind. God bless. Mind. God bless. Have a good one, y'all. Talk to you later.